0: Hello, everybody. Sorry, we had a little technical glitch there. (laughs) And um, we are now live with none other than Damien Hall. I'm absolutely thrilled. He is a Pennine Way record botherer, self-named, ultra running coach, innovate wearer, tea drinker, uh, litter pickerer, and now author of his second book, We Can't Run Away From This, um, Racing to Improve, Running's Footprint in our climate emergency. So, welcome, Damien. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you, Claire. I'm I'm very good. Thank you. Just just got in from a run, just in time for our call, didn't I? So, um, yes. Thanks for having me on.
0: No problems at all. It's fantastic that you can spare the time because I know you're very busy. Um, I'm very excited to talk about your new book, um, and I want us this to be like a really enlightening, enthusiastic chat, like like you're so good at doing and I want us to come away with five like really easy things that we can all do to boost our carbon footprint and to be more sustainable um, in our running. Um, But first of all I just thought we should start with a little bit about you for anybody who's not familiar with the amazing Damien Hall um, I've done so many videos on Damien that I had did actually this morning create a Damien Hall playlist on the channel which I will link to um, in the film description or the podcast show notes Um, so do check that out he's got tons of great advice on the UTMB um, and his FKTs and stuff like that so um, yeah so should we just have like a the brief history of Damien Hall to start? because you weren't always a runner were you you weren't always a runner
1: no no um yeah I'm honoured I'm honoured and embarrassed to have my little playlist thank you and thanks (laughs) for having me on again um and Claire's Claire's too modest to say in case I forget to say later um she's been she's been pretty influential actually in my journey because you yeah you gave me work when when I was more of a journalist and you were the editor of trail running Claire used to give me work um writing, interviewing, I remember interviewing Ricky Lightfoot and things like that and, sure. and writing various stories and, and then I edited the trail news section for, for quite a few years which I absolutely loved and then just as my coaching got too busy I had to, had to sort of uh, pass it on unfortunately but yeah no thank you, thank you for all of that Claire and it, it helped my, helped, only helped grow my knowledge and enthusiasm and for all of that and, um, and yeah you've been very supportive throughout so thank you. Oh, um, so
0: have you, thank you as well.
1: <laughs> um, yes uh i'll try and keep this brief uh i guess yeah i didn't really run um i always preferred football really to running running with a ball at my feet um and but i did also like hiking and then and then at about 36 i think i signed up for my uh local half marathon the bath half math half the bath half <laughs> um the oh bath
0: dear. half math I need more
1: people. um and yeah, just absolutely loved it. So this is 11 years ago, I think. absolutely loved it and thought this running lark is, is quite good, isn't it? And then during the next year, I think I realized people ran on, there were some trail races and people ran on trails and that seemed quite exciting. And by the time I was next year, I was doing my first marathon and even my first ultra, um, which was, was was sort of a magazine commission. Um, yeah, I was well aware by then that, that lots of people did not only trail races, but trail races of uh, 50 miles and 100 miles and in mountains and uh, and, and a year or two later, you know, the spine race came along and like, yeah, races along the Pan Way 268 miles. And it just sort of blew my mind. The, the fascination of um, how do you do that? And, and and what does it feel like? And it, and can I could I possibly do that? Um, so, yeah, it was, a I, I guess, really a life changing journey, a bit of a midlife crisis, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, like a lot of people possibly watching, um, I really got the running bug um and and it it was the long distance stuff that really fascinated me um and 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 largely being in nature as well being in mountains um and and woods and um and yeah but buying trail running early on helped you know fill my mind full of more ideas and um yeah it's just been and then i've become a sort of i suppose a semi-professional ultra runner and and a full-time coach now like I, i do almost no journalism i've written yeah a couple of books in the last couple of years but um it's sort of changed my work changed my life changed my body for for better and worse um probably makes me look a lot older than i than i am um changed my hair um yeah it's been it's been amazing uh and and yeah i feel very grateful of just this simple thing called running that it can have such yeah. a profound effect on, on yeah, so many, so many people. I think.
0: And you're being very modest there, Damien, because you haven't said any of your amazing achievements. So Damien came fifth in the UTMB. Was that 2018? That one was. or yeah, yeah, 2018. And you also broke the Southwest Coast Path record, which is now held by Christian Morgan, who we interviewed last week on the channel. Um, and then you had this kind of like. Like a also like a tea drinking battle, but a battle with John Kelly while he was over in the UK about the penine way, and I really like your word um, record botherer. Um, I actually came up with that myself as well, and then I read it on one of your posts, and I was like, oh, I, that's where oh. I got it from. I've just taken it from you. Maybe and from started, what you said, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and um yeah so and you've your first book in it for the long run was about breaking those records um it's called um breaking records and getting fkt'd um and Uh, one thing that really stood out to me about your records that you started going trying to be more and more eco-friendly as you went along um which naturally led to this second book we can't run away from this but you were carbon neutral on the Pennine Way you had no plastic waste you litter picked along the way which I just thought was incredibly um brilliant um and you had that FFF written on your hand um that stood for friends and family and future um yeah like has it has it just naturally have you just naturally gone towards a more eco-friendly way of living then
1: yeah I, I think I first um I guess my background sort of like I, I grew up I grew up near, near near Stroud uh so sort of southwest um where where well I played for Forest Green Rovers for those well I didn't play for that sorry I played twice for their youth team both substitute appearances. They're the first sort of vegan football club, the the greenest football club in the world. I grew up in Stroud where Extinction Rebellion was formed, um, you know, near Bristol as well. Um, This part of the country just has that sort of ethos a bit, I think. I wasn't at all, well, I wasn't very environmentally minded for the first almost almost 40 years of my life, really, because my parents were a bit, and my sister was, I must say my sister was quite active, even when I was young, she would get like for a birthday present, she would get like, she would ask to have a bit of the Amazon rainforest bought for her as her present for to preserve oh. it. And, and I think because it was her thing, I didn't like, I wanted my own things, you know, I, I wanted, you know, football and running and later on. Um, so I suppose I had that backdrop. And well, my parents have voted green for decades. Like, so I had that backdrop, but I wasn't very engaged myself or active myself. And then I suppose it was 2019 when I first saw extinction rebellion protests um, in London, I think I saw it probably probably on on the Internet. Um, and, yeah, I was just blown away by by how I suppose how cool, how um, how well thought through, how how sort of exciting, but but very targeted, how well organized it all was, um, how incredibly they made. You know, they seem to have this anger. They call it a love and rage. They like to say, like they had this anger, but it was sort of channeled with you know, they would be arrested, there were pension age people being arrested and they'd be singing songs about how they loved the police Aww. as they were, as they were being sort of dragged away. And I, I was just was like, wow. Um, and, and I must admit, my, my sister was, you know, my sister was a bit involved. Um, and but that that made me think, well, oh, is this stuff, you know, more urgent than, than most of the media is saying, than than the government is, is sort of acting on. And And when you look into it, which is pretty easy nowadays, um, yeah, it's, it's like the science, the scientists are saying this is super, super urgent. Just for example, the IPCC say, IPCC, sorry, say, you know, we should be globally reducing emissions by 45 percent this decade. And they're still they're still going up. So, you know, that's that's quite alarming. Forty five percent reduction is huge and we're not going that way even. Um, so that's that's really frightening. And then I've got children. So you start to think, well, hold on. And then you realise also the more you look into it, these few years right now we're absolutely key. Like in 10 years time, we, we may well have passed tipping points, you know, and I can go in further into what they might be, but we probably all know, you know, it's glaciers melting, it's it's ice sheets melting, it's the Amazon rainforest, like, we, which may already be tipping, um, you know, it's too late and, and you can't put that stuff back in the box. And and I just, I'm what terrifies me is is m- my children, their generation and, and the generation after maybe, looking back at us and going, they knew what was happening, and they didn't. They were too selfish and lazy to 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 do anything. Uh, and that's horrifying. That that's how we'll be remembered. And at the moment, to me, you know, I'm not a historian, but that's how it looks like we'll be remembered. To me, we were just too greedy and and disinterested and selfish. Um, so I suppose I started to think. Well, I, I I joined in a couple of extinction rebellion protests in London um, late in 2019. Maybe maybe yeah yeah uh, and in Bath. And yeah, I, again, I was just there was so much hope and energy and optimism what it wasn't as angry as I thought it would be actually. Um, and it was very inclusive and and lots of music and songs and, and, and actually I felt, you know, like this is, you know, this, this might be the only way. Um, uh, and then, and then I suppose naturally, well, I had some anxiety around that because I was a semi-professional athlete and I was flying around Europe to races. Um, even in 2019, I flew to flew to America and I think at the time, yeah, you had a vague idea flying wasn't great, but didn't, you know, didn't really know how much. And, and I, I guess I sort of said, well, you know, this is kind of my living and my career and I've got a family to support. Um, you know, it, it's it's tricky. But the more I looked into things, I suppose I wanted to naturally uh, lessen my footprint. Um which I've done significantly. Obviously, the next year was the pandemic, so a lot of us <laughs> had had lots smaller footprints. Um, you know, yeah, most of us didn't fly that year, so that wasn't that wasn't too much of a problem to improve. Um, um, but but yeah, I, I worked with a company called Our Carbon because I just thought, like, I don't really understand that. Also, I, I felt like I wanted some, like, I wouldn't most people don't need to go to this length, but I wanted some like a sort of independent auditing of like where can I improve. You know, how how do you measure this stuff? It was all quite this is two or three years ago, I suppose, it was, there weren't so many books around, I, I was a bit confused. I wanted to improve. I wanted to, I suppose, show a bit of an example. Um, but, but when they analyzed, yeah, our family's footprint, it was clear like my flights were just like, a, I can't remember the exact stats, but it, it is online and I can send you a link. But they were you know, something like a quarter, if not a third of, of my whole family's footprint were my flights. So it was a huge element. Um, and I kind of thought, well, yeah, I can't, I can't go on like that. I'm not, I'm not happy with that um again i'm not yeah try not to tell other people what they should or shouldn't do but yeah for me i was uncomfortable with that but it but it meant with the lockdown actually tied in quite nicely because a lot of us started doing personal challenges didn't we And fkt type stuff you know there are so many exciting things to do in britain so many challenges and and yeah that next year i did three three sort of record attempts domestically um And and that was was just as exciting, if not more exciting, than some of these international races. I'm not saying I'll never do another international race. In fact, I have done some, but I've I've realised I can sometimes just get a train instead of flying. Just hadn't even thought of that before, to be honest. Um, So, yeah, and and as you mentioned with the litter picking, that that was what interested me, right? I, I, I sort of still wasn't sure what has the most impact, what are the bigger areas. So, like, if I go vegan, but, you know, when I did some of these things, not all of them, but some of them, had a lot of car journeys involved you know there are a lot of support runners someone might dash off to the supermarket and get my you know get my get my hummus sandwiches that I've requested at the, in the middle of the night you know there was a lot of there were quite a lot of emissions um I'd already decided yeah I'll try and do it I'll do it like I wasn't full-time vegan then but I'll do it like without any meat or dairy I mean most of us aren't eating too many beef burgers when we when we do long runs but um I thought I'll see if I can do it without plastic waste as well which which was Really hard, actually. Um, if you think how much you know, gels, crisps, a lot of drinks. Um, even if you buy, technically, if you buy a loaf of bread, often it comes in a plastic bag, and they usually they're recycled now. But but yeah, it was, it's kind of an experiment. But I still didn't know, you know, what had the most value or. or... But it was interesting because when I got media coverage, they always asked about the litter picking, yeah. um, which is probably, you know, it's quite an easy thing to do for people, and a lot of people just do that without really thinking. But actually, yeah. Impact-wise, it's one of the smallest things you can do, really. But the media always loved that. And and but I could talk more about the bigger issues, so I really liked that. And I carried on doing that for some other sort of record attempts that got some media coverage. Um, yeah. But really, it's a good hook in, isn't yeah. it?
0: It's something easy that everybody can yeah. do, and, and you want to feel like you're doing something, don't you? And something visible like litter picking is a really good start. It's like a gate. Yeah. It's a gateway drug, isn't it, to the whole eco friendliness?
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, over time, I suppose, researching this more recent book was what I realized is some of that some of that visual, tangible stuff often isn't the most effective. Um, because often, yeah, the CO2 or equivalent greenhouse gas emissions, you know, going up into the air, we, we almost always never see them. Um, and yet they're the problem. So so actually the car journeys were the biggest aspect of my of my run. Um, and actually, although I was celebrated for, say, the Penn Armway one. I was being celebrated a bit as sort of doing it eco-friendly um, really like I was creating emissions, but still probably less than a flight to, you know, to Europe and back. So, yeah.
0: know,
1: and, and, and one of the lessons actually from my book and from reading other books, especially Mike Berners-Lee, who's kind of the, the authority on, on personal footprints is, um, who's a, yeah, a, a, a Lancaster, Lancaster university professor um, and the brother of the person in, who invented the internet. Um, oh, oh yes, of um, course,
0: Tim Berners-Lee. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, he kind of says, you know, ultimately we shouldn't, we're not at the stage yet where we have to give up doing what we love, you know, like running. And that's, I'm I'm jumping ahead to to probably questions (laughs) My my carefully
0: orchestrated chat here, Dammit, is just (laughs) like jumping down here. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'll make that for now. But yeah,
1: I guess I was experimenting for a couple of years in in trying to work out what, what, I guess partly what's realistic for me, because, you know, um, if I just stay at home and never do any races or challenges, Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be less of an athlete. I I probably will be find that a bit less satisfying. Like I I enjoy doing big races or big challenges. um, And that's kind of what i built a reputation on. Um, But yeah, it was a a two or three year experiment, I suppose, of trying to work things out. Um, And then ultimately, yeah, started reading a lot more books um and then I was given the opportunity to to sort of turn that into a book um more recently but but yeah I'm probably skipping ahead what's what's your next <laughs> oh well
0: I was just gonna um just say a little bit more about the book because I read this on the plane to Chamonix for the UTMB um <laughs> I felt very guilty but I couldn't get off so so that was a problem but maybe I'll go on the train next time so there we are with everybody's learning aren't they um I'd like to the topic like is so depressing isn't it there's all these stats in here which just quite frankly horrified me um but it's so well written like that's one of the reasons that like I really liked you writing on trail running magazine was because I really like your writing style and it's, it's kind of irreverent but there's a serious undertone to it um and uh like um, the humour is brilliant and I really like the way you put a few jokes in at the start and then you sort of like tailed off towards the end and then you were like oh you're missing the jokes now aren't you <laughs> but there's one about hippos on page 30 I just want to give people like a little sneak preview oh that's the best one is yeah. that the best one thank you, thank you. that's my best joke <laughs> okay well it's not my joke well I'm just giving everybody a little sneak preview now you still got to buy the book the link is in the film description below and the show notes you've still got to buy it but this is a little sneak preview hippos seem unconcerned about the effects of climate change on their habitat that's because they live in denial. ba (laughs) bum.
1: Tumbleweed. That was partly, I was getting, um, I think it was partly almost for my own sanity that I was getting fairly, I don't want to use the word depression lightly. So I don't think I was genuinely depressed, but I was getting very gloomy, very fed up. um, What I was discovering, I suppose, mostly the, the clothing industry stuff, the clothing and shoe industry stuff. And I do start the book off with a lot of that. So it is quite hard going. I, I almost wonder now if I could save that for later on. And, um, but yeah, a lot of that was, it's really, yeah, depressing. Uh, and, and you feel like, hold on, I've been buying clothes from some of these companies or, or some of these processes for years and I didn't know all of this and this is, this is terrible. And, and yeah, I got quite gloomy and, and almost, that was almost for myself, to cheer myself up was to throw in a few jokes um, as much as for the reader um
0: because
1: sometimes helps. you need to just step back out of it and, and and go well yeah yeah so yeah the clothing stuff
0: yeah so i is, wanted it's really pretty good. i wanted this chat to be like uh super practical like you know like what can we do because I read the book and I was like (laughs) oh that's brilliant at the end of every chapter there's like a list of stuff you can actually do which is fantastic and there's like little bits and bobs or there's like you could do this mega big thing so everybody can take something from that no matter where they are or or how busy they are in life Um, and you kind of sort of divide it into individual stuff people can do so what we can all be doing and then big stuff that we can harass other people to do as a group um so um yeah I was going to go through shoes then travel then race organizers then veganism then um big companies and finish on green runners so um I have a question on shoes first of all which is how many miles can runners really run in shoes before replacing? Because, you know, you put something on social media recently, didn't you, about Strava reminding you to change a pair of shoes and you'd actually run a thousand or more than a thousand miles in them. So how, like, should we be replacing our shoes every five minutes like the shoe manufacturers want us to think?
1: Well, no, that's a great question. Um, I mean, yeah, there's quite a few areas to go into there. I mean, I looked for studies... I spent a lot of time looking for studies, linking shoes to injury. And, and as far as I could see, there isn't, there isn't one that clearly links the two. Um, there was a study that that actually asked runners what they thought injured them. And one of the popular answers was their shoes. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that study couldn't find, um, an answer So certainly over the life of a shoe, especially if it's a more cushioned shoe, certainly that cushioning sort of compresses and, and certainly, you know, a sole can, can wear out and the upper can, can wear out. Um, but yeah, couldn't, couldn't find evidence there. Um, it is very individual. And certainly I've spoken to people in the last few weeks, um, either both people I know and people on social media who say, you know, I, I can't for whatever reason, my shoes do only last 400 miles. Um, and so there could be all sorts of factors. It could be your, your body composition, weight, your technique, the terrain you're running on. Um, you may have the wrong shoes for you. Um, things like that. So there are some different factors. So I can get... Yeah, I've realised over experimenting, um, I can comfortably get a thousand miles out of, out of most of my most of my Innovate shoes, especially the Terra Ultra, which is my favourite, which just seems to really suit me in, in every way. Um, one or two other shoes, uh, Innovate shoes, don't seem to last quite as long as that, but but comfortably above 500 miles still. Um, now, yeah, if you speak to Dan Lawson at Rerun Clothing, I, I think he gets <laughs> I think he gets about 5,000 miles out of shoes. Um, but I'm surprised he even um, wears um, shoes um,
0: to be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but certainly I think we've we've got to let go of the myth that yeah a shoe should be thrown away after 500 miles um, because we could be throwing away perfectly good shoes and they're almost they're almost 100 percent unrecyclable and, and made from fossil fuels uh-huh. and part of the problem is they're made from so many different little compartments uh, little sorry uh, p- parts that, that that is both labor intensive when they're made in the first place which which creates a lot of emissions at the factory level and and also means recycling them is just. It's not totally impossible, but it's just commercially not ah. just so time-consuming. So what
0: do you advise um, we do with our
1: old shoes then? Yeah, it's really it's a really difficult one. There isn't there isn't a good solution. So there are one or two companies doing good things. There's one called Jog On. Um, I'd, I'd 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 say people look them up. Now they will take your shoe when when it's really done, and they will downcycle it. Okay. So what they're doing, and this is what Nike and Adidas say they do mm. i hear various you know mixed reports but downcycling. so th- then they th- the shoe gets chopped up and turned into you know b- basketball courts or tennis courts or playgrounds um so that's not
0: that's what that's i could do endable. with all that, my that's... old shoes we need some uh, stuff for Make finley's playground i could just churn them all up in the in that wizard that you put branches in and i could just put it down <laughs> for him to bounce on when he falls off the slide
1: perfect job done perfect well it's <laughs> kind of what yeah yeah take, take out the cut out the middle man do it oh, yourself yeah. perfect free, shoe, um, free
0: free bouncy stuff <laughs> wonderful yes oh, okay uh, <laughs> so they do that with the shoes um yeah so that, <laughs> that's cool. that's
1: one option I like, guess I would just urge people to um yeah try and make your shoes last as long as possible but really it's on the brands you know mm. so what what fascinated me and with clothing as well and, and um do stop me if I'm going too far into this but <laughs> I was fascinated in oh well your clothing is made from recycled recycled polyester. Oh, well, that sounds good. Recycling is a good word, or recycled um, wool, or, or plastic from the ocean. Oh, well, that sounds good, or mushroom, or algae, or sugarcane, and all those things sound good, right? But so often they're not. Uh, I, technically, I would say in most cases, a lot of cases, that's kind of greenwashing because if that shoe doesn't last as long, then it's, so it still creates, it still releases uh, greenhouse gases to create it. Maybe more, maybe less, depends. Um, and and then, but if you're buying a new shoe sooner, then that's more emissions. So there was a study showed, yeah, three pairs of environmentally friendly shoes um, that was worse than two pairs of you know plastic shoes that oh. last a bit wow. longer. That's you know, interesting. So, so yeah. So although uh, you know all our shoes are pretty much made from fossil fuels and and nearly all our rain clothes as well, if they last, last and last, then then that's okay. Like so. I think, I think ultimately, yeah, it's not a very sexy message, but it, it is, you know, we, we do probably have to, you know, some of us should buy less. Like I've certainly, you know, I mean, I get most of my stuff for free, but I've been able to get in the habit now of saying, actually, I don't need it. No, thanks. Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, it, it's, it's, refuse, less. it's, it's, which is one, yeah, one of the your the now, five um, refuse, R's, yeah. which was like refuse, reduce, reuse repair and recycle so um we've all we all know like about recycling and stuff but actually refusing is the first thing that we could do like the first easy thing that we can do and just wear our stuff until it gets holes in and run it into the ground
1: yeah and and, and um charlotte jally from rerun clothing is great in the book she sort of talks about you know celebrating older kits. Mm. Uh, to my shame this is this is a fairly new fairly new top but like um you know in japan apparently when they repair things they often do it in gold yeah. because you're proud of the repair you're proud of making it last long in the yeah. stories you yeah. know and and then you can say oh i got this scratch from you know falling down this or yeah. um if you survived um <laughs> so yeah I, I i i hope we're seeing a bit of a cultural change where and and sometimes especially the classic fell runner who's got shorts from the 1980s or something you know actually they were being the most sustainable all along they're making you know someone who's stingy mm-hmm. usually is is Pretty environmentally friendly, actually, yeah. because they don't want to buy the new kit. They want the kit to last as long as possible. So lots of people were doing this already. It's it's maybe people more like me who, you know, yeah, like I'm still excited when Innovate bring out a new shoe. I'm still like, oh, I want to try that. But I've got better at going, well, I've got enough shoes at the moment. I'm going to wait um, I'm gonna wait a while. But yeah, brands can really step up and, and A, just push things less out, make less and push less yeah. things at us actually because yeah. we're only human um, and, uh, and but, less yeah. money
0: that's <laughs> that's the thing isn't it um, there's some really great comments coming on the live chat so I do want to just read a few out to you just before we go on to a next tricky topic which is travel which we did kind of cover a little bit earlier but I just want to cover it a bit more but Debbie Hall says road shoes definitely need changing more often like for her um more often than her trail shoes but she uses them for walking until they fall apart so that sounds quite good mm. I think you can yeah. Yeah. there's a shoe bank near my house and i think they go like get, take them to africa and then like african children wear them to school and stuff which sounds quite heartening um oh uh, what do they not? yes so they,
1: often they have to be in reasonable shape i would say i think and yeah. but definitely always tie the shoelaces together because there's a real problem yeah. where they get they get separated and then they get binned because if you think of thousands of shoes yeah. if you can't find the matching get binned. so yeah. that's a good little so yeah, they won't wear reminder,
0: non-matching but... shoes they've got standards um, and then hannah says um her road running shoes turn into work or everyday shoes once they feel like the cushioning has gone so i think people are liking the whole cushioning thing for the road running uh, but yeah for everyday running um and rich simpson wants to know if you've got if there's a calculator like a trustworthy calculator where you can input what you wear and where you go and how much carbon you create for a run and, and what to do to like reduce and offset what you're doing is there anything you can recommend from that side of things? Oh,
1: what a great question. Yeah, I mean, there are two reliable um, um, personal footprint calculators, uh, which are which I yeah are trusted. Um, I there isn't a running specific one, but he's maybe hit on a um, hit on something there. Um, the, the two the two that are well known are yeah, it's actually on the WWF, uh, not not the uh, not the wrestling one, <laughs> the uh, the World Wildlife Fund. Their, their calculator is seen as really um, as really good as trustworthy because sometimes they're just very simplistic, you know, and you're not really getting much from them. But there's one on their website which is which is well trusted, and the other one is called Poor. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's called Poor P A W. I could have a very quick look on my phone. That comes that comes highly recommended, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that one especially I think is really good. Just seeing if I can find it, but because it sort of encourages you to do actions. Poor print, sorry print, and it has a picture of a polar bear oh. um, that's a good one um, but yeah there, there isn't a running specific one but I can I can go I can go more into like yeah well a rough understanding of your running footprint I guess that's what my whole book is about I suppose but really it's kind of three Why areas book
0: rich? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I well I, I'm happily I, I, I happily sort of yeah share anything from it um there's roughly three areas for people and it, it, it is of, my, of the most impact and it is your travel, which is probably going to be the most for most people. So I suppose to, to races, um, and I know you've got a question about that in a second, so maybe I won't go into all that for a second, but travel and it is your kit, anything you buy really. Um, and, and I hadn't thought about it till I started, well, thinking about it. And, <laughs> and it was like, I've got kettlebells, you know, a watch. Um, I've, I've got weight, you know, other weights. Uh, I've got a treadmill, uh, um, now, um, and yeah, resistance bands, I've got loads of stuff. And then if you're into ultra running, I've got poles, I've got torches, I've got packs, I've got a cupboard full of stuff. Now, that's not horrendous if you're using it um, and, and trying to use it. But what I had for a while, possibly similar for you, like when I used to test kit for magazines, yeah. you, you get sent six of everything. Mm. So I had a cupboard just rammed with stuff <laughs> and that, no one's using that. That's just a huge waste of all the resources because um, a lot of the emissions happen in the creation um when it's made so if it just sits there for its lifetime that's just you know such a shame such a waste and, and greenhouse gases went into the atmosphere for that so yeah I, I made a real effort to basically above all else just give them away to friends who didn't you know who, who were happy to have kit um so yeah i'd say if you're using stuff that's fine um but yeah over consumption is does underpin most of this um oh sorry yeah i've got off i've got a topic so travel <laughs> your kit and the third one. Um, it's a little bit more tricky but it's your it's your diet you're fueling the food now um of course in an average day how much of that food is actually fueling our running that's quite complicated i didn't try and unpick that too much but but basically the well you've probably got a food question coming up but it's those three areas are going to be for a runner those are the big three areas um really and 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 for most people yeah they're the big three yeah yeah
0: okay oh that's cool yeah well well we can talk a little bit of travel and uh, that kind of is on the way to answering debbie hall's question as well which she wanted to know what are the main things we can change that have the biggest impact other than flying um like from a runner's point of view so there's the whole like don't buy as much clothing like wear it into the ground which we've covered um and then traveling less which we've covered um so yeah well we've covered that one <laughs> and um and then well the yeah can i, can I just- add yeah. a little bit
1: to the travel um great great surname by the way Debbie um, <laughs> um and your partner your partner has the same excellent yeah. surname doesn't you um,
0: you're one of the reasons why I haven't changed my surname Damien because I don't want everyone to think well, that we're married <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> I'll be awkward yeah <laughs> well, I don't know
1: it's quite a, <laughs> I, I thought over time it's quite a quick and easy surname to write but it is relatively common. It's but just for some a bit reason,
0: boring, isn't it? Hall, Claire Hall, like right, my my right. my husband's called Stephen Hall, just so that everyone knows what I'm talking about here. I'm a bit of a Hallist. Yeah, I'm a bit um, of a Hallist. Yeah.
1: We're possibly related, though the halls to to a quite exciting. This is quite off t- off topic. <laughs> a quite exciting um, Scottish Borders clan who oh. who were quite murderous oh, and, really? and stole horses. I think. Possibly, oh. yeah, so we're quite exciting, actually. That
0: is very exciting.
1: <laughs> Another theory, though, is that the word, the hall surname comes from being like a butler because you lived in the hall. In
0: the hall. So That's, that's probably a more ass- like it, isn't it? Really? <laughs> <good>.
1: anyway,
0: um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one thought they were getting that, that historical insight. Um, where were we? Travel. If I could just jump in a little bit. Yeah, the big one would be flying. That's the most carbon intensive thing we can do like as an individual per minute. Um, but actually, w- when you look into it, single occupant car journeys um, unfortunately can be nearly as bad if they're really long. I forget what the exact oh, distance really? was but if they say 500 kilometers or more, they can be almost as bad um, uh, and that's I found I find that hard um, because a car journey is often so much more convenient than say getting a train yeah. but but usually a train will be will be the most efficient well the best way to travel is to run mm. the second best is to cycle um, unless you're fueled on beef burgers and then it's as bad as a car. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh, it's just um, a minefield, isn't it? It's like, but this, yeah, but then this, good. and then this, but then this. Um, so the best thing we can do is not is. exist.
1: <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's kind of where you end up getting with the book. And hopefully I've, you know, you get, you feel guilty for existing. Yeah, and, and I did. We should feel like Until so the hopefully... last
0: chapter, which, um, so great Alan okay. Running's telling me not to reveal the last chapter. He's just, he's just said, found this book, but, just uh, need to get on with it about halfway through. Please don't ruin the ending. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the butler did it. Um the um so travel, yeah. But I think I think I, if you want, um there's a great bit there's a for people who want to know more about travel, uh there's some, actually some good BBC stories on it. if you just sort of searched climate change travel or something on the BBC, there's a couple of really simple stories and it shows you like a nice graph of kind of the differences. Um but usually a train journey is really good. Um and nowadays actually you can book a train and then sort of cancel it and get a full refund fairly close. You couldn't do that a few years ago. Um but I've got much more in the habit of and, and quite enjoy train journeys now in that you can sit down there and work on yeah. read a book, whereas if you're driving you can't and it's more stressful. I love usually. train journeys, uh, but
0: once you've got two of you in the car, it's not cost effective. And also, um, with public transport and all the strikes that have been on lately, that's um, you know, obviously we understand why they're striking and we support that, but it's more difficult and there's hardly any bus services yeah. anywhere as well. So I really feel like it needs to come from top down some more public Absolutely. transport infrastructure well, and another... improve cycling lanes as well.
1: Yeah, I mean that's another thing that I got grew massively frustrated with when researching this was like the people at the top can make so many decisions that can have such big impact, you know, and for various reasons we can only speculate, you know, they really seem reluctant to make a lot of those decisions. Yeah. Um, the car thing, again, is interesting, though, because if you have four people in the car, often that's about the same as a train journey. Oh. So so actually four people in the car, so li- risk, sorry, lift sharing or yeah. carpooling for, say, base, race or even just giving a friend a lift or a friend and their friend, that really does reduce yeah. the emissions, actually. Yeah. So that's that, – that. I didn't know that a year or two ago um and in fact yeah i've done that a bit lately. Like, i was gonna book a train and then two friends are driving there you know that's it's not far off and i don't think yeah. we should all try and be perfect or beat each other up too much Oh yeah. um about that you know and, and and money comes into it too you know sometimes a train journey is more expensive than a flight and then it's really hard yeah. so i don't think people should beat themselves up too much it's just getting the awareness and then making your own decisions i think yeah
0: that's true and you so we've kind of covered the shoes and gear and the travel side of things um but it would be really interesting to talk a little bit about veganism because we had um we've got Tony on here he said um We've got loads of people on the live chat today Everyone, no one's at work today they're just all having a lunch break <laughs> constant lunch break so tony macaroni <laughs> says if anyone's interested in going vegan but concerned about how it might affect their running then he suggests finding ultra by rich roll um and eat and run by scott jurek as well as damien's book obviously <laughs> so thanks for that tony yeah Yes. Um, yeah. So, are you yeah, fully so vegan been... now? Or are you like hundred yeah. percent? I know vegans like people to be hundred percent, and that is kind of can be oh. off-putting to some people. And that's why the word plant-based is often a really good, kind of, oh well, maybe you're ninety percent vegan when you can be, kind of thing. I quite, I quite like that whole plant-based well, movement. Yes.
1: And I, I think in the book I call that like planet planet-based, a planet-based diet. Oh, um, ah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, The big. The big and, and people who want to read about this, the best resource is um, ourworldindata.org, which is a Oxford University website, uh, and there's an amazing study on there, a four-year study into the emissions of, of lots of different types of food. And as people probably know, it showed that beef was just horrendous for the planet, far worse than anything else. Um, I could go into that, but it's in the book. And then la- la- lamb was the next, and then, and then various dairy items, um, and that individuals could reduce their footprint from their food by well over 70 percent if they cut out meat and dairy now to some people that's you know a huge thing to do and and some people have I don't know grown up differently to me I didn't really eat a lot of red meat growing up anyway so yeah I miss a bit of chicken sometimes but like it's not a huge wasn't a huge thing for me to to do that and I experimented a bit at first without you know almost without telling anyone and just to to see what it was like um yeah so for two years I've been I I I say vegan yeah there are two I'm and I'm honest about this in the book I, I have two cheat points um, I don't think the word cheat is right but like yeah if my kids leave some scraps I will usually eat them because it's worse to waste the food like that's worse for the for the for the for a livable planet to waste the food um but I just find now I'm not very I I don't like cow milk uh I'm not that excited by cheese anymore all right a little bit of chicken you know I, um I'm got, I'm secretly a bit glad but like yeah occasionally I eat the scraps that probably happens once or twice a week a few scraps a few leftovers you know, a crust of cheese on toast. <laughs> so um, you're
0: not bringing yeah, your kids yeah, up yeah. vegan? What, what, why would you not bring your kids no. up vegan?
1: Well, um, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a family decision. You have to be, so I speak to Rini McGregor, who, who probably most people know, hopefully. Um, I coach her and, and she gives me, uh, you know, nutrition advice. Um, so you you will, unless you're really careful with planning your your, what you eat, you you probably will miss out on a couple of nutrients if you turn vegan. So I take supplements D3, which apparently most people in Britain should anyway, or definitely through the winter. I mean, that's, you know, do t- double check that. Don't take that from me, but
0: no, a lot of people are well. saying that now. Yeah. We've got um, a D, um, other, vitamin D spray. Ah, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and the other big one for, if you turn vegan is, is B12. <laughs> um, and that's a lot in a lot of dairy. And of course you've cut all your dairy out. So, so I take those two supplements, um, and I guess, well, yeah. My, wife, if I'm honest, yeah, it was a joint decision. My wife wasn't willing to sort of, you know, cut all the meat and dairy out of their uh, diet, but we massively cut down. You know, meat is pretty rare. I think I think we do, we do like one, maybe one chicken and one fish a week, and then and maybe one red meat every fortnight or some, something like that. Like I a mean, treat. if I'm honest, it's not yeah. a bit sexist, but yeah. Yeah. So we massively cut back on, especially on the red. I, I think we'd never buy beef anymore. Um, I think she get, yeah, she gets venison instead, which is, which is a lot better, but yeah, so we massively cut back for the family. Um, we weren't ready to, and, and even really advised for children, growing children, maybe veganism is a, you know, unless you're really on it with yeah. your diet and really monitoring and yeah, busy lives like most people you're not always yeah. planning. You know, sometimes dinner is beans on toast. You know, yeah. um,
0: and you don't want the so, kids to be but, allergic to anything, do you? Um, you know, there's like oh,
1: that's another thing. Sorry, my wife, my wife does has various allergies, including to soy, oh, which is often oh, a substitute. That's
0: terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: yeah. So that's actually and and to several nuts. Oh. So a lot of the substitutes are actually an allergy for her so yeah, yeah we've got a slightly yeah. complicated thing in the house yeah it's um, really hard
0: isn't it yeah we've got celiacism in our house because steve's celiac so he can't eat any gluten and if you try and be gluten-free and vegan it's like now on impossible <laughs> to find these things well, so that's quite a stumbling yes. block for us um yeah, we, but, but we're pretty I'm much so vegetarian but and but we oh, eat right, a lot of right. fish I mean, actually
1: but but that i mean yeah no one's expecting the whole world to turn vegan although it would it'd be really helpful if it did but um It's just individuals improving a bit and and cutting out some red meat or or cutting out some meat or um, yeah, just improving gradually. And this was one of the areas that was encouraging actually that more and more people are going vegetarian or vegan. Yeah, Um, even And some other areas, yeah, they're depressing. Um, But yes, (laughs) yeah. I must say, the Greg sausage rolls are rubbish. Oh, wow. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, though, isn't it, that it's gone mainstream? And I think the use yeah. of today is very honestly. much like, uh, no, I'm vegan. I am vegan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and that's brilliant. Much,
1: yes, I found it much easier. I've got in right at the, 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 the easy bit, the yeah. glory hunter. And I sometimes speak to vegans who've been vegan 10 years and you, know, you feel really guilty because they've been, <laughs> you know, did it yeah. when it was difficult. Yeah. And honestly, like most cafes, most restaurants, uh, less so when I've gone abroad recently, if I'm honest, but yeah. but in Britain, it's it's pretty easy. And I found actually great fun. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, in terms of being an athlete, now, mm. there's a bit of controversy because, yeah, there was this um, documentary, I still haven't watched it, called Game Changers, which sort of said, oh, you'll yeah. be a better athlete if you're vegan, which, you know, there isn't any scientific evidence behind that, um, as far as I can gather. Um, so you do have to be a bit careful. I mean, what I find is, yeah, you have to be more conscious about seeking out protein mm-hmm. i mean per i have you know I have tofu for most lunch times um because i 'm concerned yeah about making sure I get the protein in um and yeah the b the b twelve um but really yeah i don't think i've felt any difference positively or or negatively from from being vegan ten years for two years in in terms of um athletics you know athletics i don't don't think so and some other athletes i know including elite athletes um yeah i think i think it's really helped their recovery i i couldn't say that. it has for me if i'm honest yeah. but some people say that I didn't really um, notice I just when people. I tried to be
0: vegan either. I'd just been like, um, yeah. if, if anything, I've done worse because all I did was like cut out all the good bits and being vegan just left me with like just a plate of vegetables because I wasn't very good at it. And I, I didn't have ta- well, I didn't make time to pr- do it properly and get all the right sources of everything. So it didn't really do me that good. <laughs> so we're kind of vegetarian, vegan when we can be, and we eat a bit of fish just for, you know, a bit more protein and stuff and that's yeah i think that's happy with fine.
1: i think that's the approach yeah i think that's the approach a lot of people are taking lots of my friends runners and non-runners are like that now like they'll ha yeah they're sort of mostly vegan or most or, or vegetarian except maybe when they eat out and they'll yeah, have a treat, yeah, and that's treat probably, yeah. So, yeah yeah
0: meat is a treat yes definitely um yeah. Cool, and um, we had a couple of questions as well about what race organisers can be doing, which was interesting. So um, Mick Souville, he's one of my patrons. Basically, if you're a patron of Wild ginger running YouTube channel, you definitely get your question um, asked to our amazing elite people and coaches such as Damien here. Um, So Mick says, what can event organisers both in the UK and internationally do to make their races more eco-friendly? And Severin also asks pretty much the same question. I think there is what we can do as an individual, but also what are Damien's suggestions for race organisers? And is there anything we can do to influence that? So that's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: I like that. I like that last bit a lot. Um, Yes. So, before I started looking into this, I, I was very much aware of, I suppose, the, the T-shirt problem that running has, which which Dan and Charlotte at Rerun Clothing have, have been brilliant at publicising. And then we've got Jim Mann, who I'm, I'm certain you've had on talking about trees, not teas. Yes, um, we have.
0: And I've linked to that talk with Jim about teas trees, not teas, you have to get that the right way around, (laughs) Um, where you you can have an option in the races to replace um, a race t-shirt with planting a tree. I've linked to that chat with Jim um, in the film description and the podcast show notes below, so do give that a listen as well if you're interested in how you can email races and ask them if they might do that politely.
1: Yes. Now, I would say um, it's great that there's that awareness of that now and, 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 and yeah, the plastic waste from the T-shirts and all sorts of waste. Um, and then the, another obvious, again, it's the vi- the visual tangible stuff, which can be a bit misleading. So the other thing is, is the, you know, the water bottles that we often see at Spay Road Races, for example, or um, yeah, that sort of plastic or, or the goodie bags full of, you know, Rubbish we don't want, basically. Um, so those items, that's the visual, tangible stuff, and it's worth acting on. But that that stuff is nothing compared, in most cases, depending on the race, um, compared to participant travel. So ah. the studies that have been done, so usually it's up to 90% of a race's footprint ah. is from this, is from the runners getting there wow. and and away. And 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 again, that's why it's tricky because you can't. It's harder to measure that or see it, isn't it? And 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 also that's called a scope three emissions, where, you know, the race doesn't have that much control over that. Uh, uh, so so that's where the, that's where it's fascinating because who's responsible? Like, uh, yeah, as individuals, I suppose ultimately we sh- obviously should be responsible for how we got there. But what if the race starts at an awkward time? There's no public transport to get there. Um, that, so I would say the biggest thing races can do actually. Uh, I, I'd say things like trees, trees is, is an easy win. Like they're free to sign up with, I believe, and so it's it's quite an easy thing to do. Yeah. But it more than that, I would say it's a lot of races don't even have description of how you'd get to the race using public transport. Um is is the start time compatible with public transport? Um it might that might not be possible, but um how can you encourage public transport? But also car sharing, carpooling um just spreading the awareness, if nothing else, of saying, you know, if you fly here or if you come here a single occupant car journey this is roughly what the emissions are um some other great ideas that are happening um i mean in the cycling world actually i think it's i think it's mountain biking but they've actually done a race where you're not allowed to fly there i think no one's allowed they won't let you enter the race Um, if you flew there um
0: I've heard in yeah, also um, that gave you some money back if you travelled as a car share, like when you enter the car that's park. What I was
1: gonna. Yeah. yeah. you
0: get like a five. Yeah, pack. So I think
1: incentivizing. Yeah,
0: like so, rather so than maybe charging you, car. take money off, like charge enough so that you can take money off. I thought that was a really good way because I people are definitely yeah. motivated by earning more money.
1: Uh, yeah, I think there can be some. I, I imagine there are some quite easy incentivization sort of but but we probably got to start with the awareness because yeah a year ago i didn't i didn't really realize that would be the biggest element necessarily um and then yeah and then then obviously there's an onus on us um yeah i mean i used to and i've got to be honest yeah i used to fly around europe i used to do like you know three or four big races around europe a year um so it's easy for me to start saying oh well no one else should do that now (laughs) i'm not saying that. that that's not fair but personally when i'm looking at my own race calendar i'm a lot more conscious of You know, if there's going to be, you know, well, I guess I'm trying to pick things where I don't have to fly to. Partly there are two or three items, you know, challenges left that may involve a flight. And I'll be really careful and really value that. And um, another thing, and this comes from Mike Berners-Lee, if you're going to fly somewhere, um, you know, try and make a holiday out of it. Stay longer, you know, visit, maybe visit a friend if there's someone, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. But anyway, I've got a bit off topic. How can we influence? Yeah, I think we can we can potentially, sorry, politely yeah, just when you're signing up for a race or, or, or even after you have, or even on the Facebook group, say, is anyone driving up from here? Or, you know, how do we get them on public transport? Um, just that gentle spreading awareness, asking the questions. Yeah. I don't think it's something we need to be sort of, aggressive with yeah no. I mean we can be aggressive with Nike and but, but you know a race directors have had a pretty shit for years so yeah um, but,
0: race directors are people yeah. like me and you um yeah I yeah. organise a race in June um the Neen Valley races and we we try and encourage people to car share um but you you don't really have much control so that that's a great idea to offer people money off um uh, we'd have to charge more for the race entries to do that. Um, but yeah, the, the other thing that that could be done by race organisers, I saw the Black Trail Runners, they were organising before it got cancelled when the Queen died, they were organising um, the black, black to the Trails event and um, they had a minibus that you could sign up to to take you from the nearest station so people could come by train the races were all at a good start time for that and then the minibus would take you and you booked a place on it so i thought that was a really good idea for race organizers not that you haven't got enough to do race organizers
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes no if if possible that that's a great idea um yeah if, if that minibus or whatever costs you know obviously there's some emissions there but if it's got 30 people using the train instead of um but i appreciate that is hard like that's a cost that the a small race um you know yeah. might not be able to afford and and i think i think that's kind of okay like a smaller race is going to be fairly local anyway if most people have you know traveled locally if you've shared some lifts um or got the bus yeah that's not a huge problem it, it's probably the big race it's, you know, it's things like utmb i mean what makes me cross is i guess things like the new utmb world series where they're try, really trying to encourage people to fly around the world to to yeah. do it and, and to me that's not quite yeah it's not quite what on the, on the zeitgeist are not quite not yeah, quite right. It's not
0: quite now, is it? It's not quite Generation Z or whatever we are on now. Um, and and that's really interesting because I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, now how you handle that whole um in your book you describe it as either you're a hypocrite like a because you can't do everything or you're an asshole if you do nothing and um i know that you quite regularly post on social media about like the the climate kind of the eco angst I'm calling it because um you're very aware that you're supported by various brands which you actually list at the start of the book and actually you had you've said in the book you've had certain conversations with brands and actually it led to you leaving some of the partnerships that you've had with brands because of you didn't kind of get the vibe from them about the eco-friendly business Um, how do you I think you. I personally think you beat yourself up too much about this. But how do you um, advise others to handle that whole um, hypocrite versus asshole situation? <laughs> like, um, how do you stop feeling yeah. so guilty that you just go, "Oh well, I'm not doing anything then, and Ugh, I may as well just kill yeah. myself now."
1: Ooh. I think. <laughs> thank you for asking that. I think I think it's a really big problem. Um, just to clarify, I suppose. Yeah, the the hypocrite or asshole comes from. Um, a great jonathan pie sort of youtube video um i think it is linked to on my website and somewhere um where yeah so, so basically almost everything we do creates some emissions our clothes our food so you're going to be releasing emissions so if you care about this and say anything you're automatically a hypocrite on some level so we've just got to get over that word um because we will all be hypocrites um but i think if we take ownership of the word then you know it has no so in most of my social media biographies it says so climate emergency hypocrite so that if someone calls me a hypocrite yeah. I've already owned that word like it doesn't hurt me um, and I've explained yeah I've got a recent blog on my website where I sort of go, go through that and, um, and it, but that holds a lot of people back and I know you know I know people not just people but brands and and events and and it's that idea that you have to wait till you're perfect um, to act and I know yeah I know a race I, I allude to them in the book like they're doing so many good things behind the scenes but they're too scared to mention it, and and I would say, yeah, some brands as well, um, and yeah, again, elite athletes, they're too scared to sort of speak up or, or talk about environmental matters because they're not perfect. But look, Who's perfect? Like no one can be. No one can be perfect. It's impossible. So and there are books on this, and I got one here. Here we are. Here we go. Look, look. Oh, <laughs> We're
0: all kind of
1: press now. Um, there are whole books on like. Uh, um, of this, like it's impossible to be perfect. So yeah. we embrace imp- imperfect activism. And, and again, there are two or three books on this. There's a brilliant one. Um, ah, it's called The Sustainable-ish Guide um, to, to Eco-Friendly Living or something along those lines.
0: Yeah,
1: But that ish is so important because it's sort of saying, we try our best, we don't always, you know, sometimes you're tired, you don't always get it right. Um, you know, sometimes it's expensive to be environmentally friendly you know, it's, you, you, you you try when you can, you know, and um, what I found useful is, I suppose, working out the elephants from the mice, Yeah. so picking up litter, you know, it's a good message and stuff, but that's nothing compared to a flight, for example, mm-hmm. a few years ago, well, I suppose I probably already knew that one, that's probably a bit of a no-brainer, but, like, <laughs> I didn't always know the hierarchy of what would matter most, you know, if I pick up litter but eat lots of beef, is that all right? Like, now I know that the beef is far more harmful than that litter, um, or a plastic bag, Um so it's helpful to know, yeah, roughly the hierarchy and, and hopefully it, or the impact and hopefully in the book. But yeah, I think we've got to embrace imperfect activism. Uh, no one can be perfect. and it, But it is hard. It is hard. And I, I total sympathy for people who sort of almost want to talk about this stuff more. But But don't. um, But I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind making a bit of an idiot of myself if, (laughs) if it's sort of hopefully. No, I think. I don't know. Use your platform really well.
0: Uh, I love the way you use your platform for, um, for eco bothering, (laughs) as we shall call it, um, in such an enthusiastic way and like a very can-do positive attitude. Um, And I like the way you've put quotes from people throughout in the book as well. Like there's a particular one from Caroline Gleich. 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 Gleich? I don't know how to pronounce her name. Oh. who knows <laughs> we've never heard her speak um but she is on social media and I started following her because you recommended it to me and she in, in the book you said she says um don't shame each other for like what you're not doing or things that you could be doing differently like everybody um has to do their own thing and um that if you shame people that's one of the most pernicious ways that inaction uh, it just breeds inaction because of like you said everybody mm. thinks oh have got to be perfect before we can do anything um which is not just do just do one of the things that we've talked about in these um in this talk and you'll be fine um and I like the way you've put something from Bill McKibben as well he says the most um the most successful thing you can do as an individual is to not be an individual um and that leads us on quite nicely to the last chapter where you kind of absolve us of all guilt that we've been feeling throughout the book and say well actually. there's that big companies really need to step up governments major industries big companies they all need to do things differently um which is true and as a non-individual maybe we can change some of these things
1: yes we've got to be careful not to give away the ending of course but i think there is there is kind (laughs) of another chapter there's sort of another chapter after that um um, but yeah at the same time i've got to be careful i hopefully i got the balance right between kind of I'm not sort of saying no one should do anything um but but yeah it's so it makes me so cross that that yeah the government can do so many things you know this all subsidizing fossil fuels mm. uh when we know that they have to you know they, they have to be on their way out and, and they're opening more you know licenses for more gas and oil fields um and renewables yeah better in so many ways and they're not they're not getting behind those you know we can only speculate why um mm. but um, we, but but yeah, we can kind of sit back and be angry, I suppose, or, or we can sort of try and get involved and try and nudge nudge the system. Uh, I think is quite a light phrase. There's another nice phrase I nicked from someone, Isabel something. The, the joyful environmentalist. I think her book is Isabel something, and she and it, she calls it like being a little bit activist the word activist is quite intimidating i think and, and 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 vague as well like what does that mean do you have to go and glue yourself to something i mean i've never done that, that that's really quite a scary thing to do yeah i mean i do i did have some super glue way, actually and i did glue my fingers together so i don't know if that counts um, <laughs> but, um but where was i yeah being a little bit activist or i think i think the other book the sustainable ish Guide, calls it like being maybe it's like being an activist ish or something she she probably calls it so and there are lots of ways to be an activist, and it can just be uh, joining emailing campaigns. You know, if you sign up for Greenpeace, they're really good at saying this is being debated in the House of, House of uh, Commons tonight. You can email or tomorrow you can email your MP now and tell him what you think. And these are some points you might want to put in the email. Um, I mean, that can get called clicktivism, and and maybe people look down their noses at it. But you know, petitions do lead to changes sometimes. Um, and it, but it might be taking it into your own hands a bit more and emailing emailing your favourite brand and kind of saying, you know, maybe letting them know if something's not durable. You know, that's quite that's quite helpful. And and I speak to people in the industry in the book, and one of them says they get almost nothing. He's, he works for one of the big brands, and he says they got almost no emails about sustainability. Um, wow. So we can, there are lots of things we can do like that. I mean, I went to a protest last week in, in London. Uh, and honestly, every time I go, it was, yeah, so joyful and optimistic and, and infectious. And I came home feeling so much better about things than, than before I went. And and protests actually are um, a lot less committing. I think Rosie Watson makes the point in the book that like, you can just pop along for a couple of hours then disappear off to the side and no one really knows or minds, you know, that's a lot less committing than bit, turning vegan, you know, uh, <laughs> which is quite a commitment. Um, so, pro- you know, pro- I, I would say join in protests when you can, um, you know, and, and most of those are pretty peaceful, pretty civil, not necessarily being arrested. Um, but yeah, nudging. But if you want to think inside the running world, yeah, it's probably probably the clothing brands and the big the big races are probably the people to sort of concentrate on. I don't think we need to be, you know too aggressive with them yet. But but you know, people power really does work, and and there's there's evidence of that in the book and throughout history. Um, and I would say, yeah, I, I think you were going to ask me about the Green Runners, but that that's something I um, something the Green Runners are, are trying to trying to get going on is is sort of galvanizing people to you know maybe maybe campaigns targeting certain things um, and maybe we can you know enact help helps some change helps some change there
0: yeah that's brilliant tell us a bit more about the green runners because i did want to end on the green runners um and that's something that you and uh, a couple of other people have set up is that right and you've got to pledge to be a bit more eco-friendly it, you, there's a pledging thing going on isn't there to join um how yes. does it work and so, how can we all be involved
1: <laughs> so i think it's just the greenrunners.com. Um, and and it's kind of you to say me me and two or three others. I think there's at least at least twelve or fifteen. And, and I've done almost none of the work. I'll be totally honest. Um, but it includes uh, some some people. Todd, Darren, um, AJ have done amazing amazing. Uh, Nina have done amazing work behind the scenes. Um, they've done the real work. Um, yeah, there are other people like me, Jasmine Paris, and Russell Bentley and Dan Lawson um, are involved. Uh, And yeah, I suppose we just wanted to do something collectively and and we're debating what it was. Um, And then we came up, AJ came up with the idea of sort of, um, yeah, a club. We've got four pillars, which is, yeah, the same sort of thing, your, your kit, what you eat, your travel and, and speaking up. Um, And I actually think that fourth one, speaking up is the most important. Um, And all you have to do to join, it's a couple of quid to get sent your, your badge. We decided against Um, (laughs) t-shirts.
0: Oh, oh, why?
1: Yes. Yes, um,
0: Oh, Oh, that's nice your green runners badge yeah what um, do you do with that then? I do you could does, you, does it well, stick that's on yeah
1: I know you do you do have to sew it on um or nowadays you can get little glue iron things can't you but yeah. um yeah I mean that could be on your on your cap on your pack on your t-shirt um but to, to to get one of these um you just have to make one pledge on one of the four topics um I think oh yeah it's sort of behind me that that cardboard thing up there, which you probably can't read is, is my pledges for the year. But yeah, you, but I'm, I'm in quite, you know, I'm in quite deep, whereas for most people, they only have to make one pledge on one aspect. It could be to cut down on meat, you know, it could be that level. Um, so we want, you know, we want all the people, no one has to be perfect, no one has to be vegan or give up flying um, or give up new kits. We're, you know, we want to be inclusive and, and um, yeah, please come and join us. Um, and I suppose, yeah, we're trying to do a bit of collective, collective action um to yeah improve in the running world because sport yeah sport is a huge area of the missions and and maybe running can or at least trail and fell and ultra running can can lead the way in in running and then maybe running can lead the way a bit in in sport hopefully i don't know but um
0: yeah that sounds great yeah and um yes So that sounds brilliant. I I think you've really helped me out there because I was thinking, oh, I can't really join because I test all these trainers, which are just piled up behind me here. And I was just like, oh, I probably can't really join, even though I do quite a lot of the things that people are pledging already. Um, so I will join now. I will. I will join. Oh, thank you. Good. <laughs> and I will yeah, encourage I everybody else to. That...
1: Yeah, no, but the, exactly. You've sort of um, what's the word?
0: Exemplified myself. the,
1: <laughs> but that's the, the the fear of so many of us have of not being perfect, and I still have it a bit, but a lot less. And, and like you just can't be like who is perfect, like um. So yeah, like you know, I I hope those trainers aren't going to go straight in the bin, but like they won't. You know, you've got <laughs> people have elements in their lives where, and you know, yeah, I had a, a friend and coaching client actually emailed and said, well, you know, my family live abroad, and once or twice a year I go and see them, and and me is really it's you know traditionally part of my diet and uh you know i can't give it up and i it was like no 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 one's asking you to give up or give up flying you know we'd hope you would improve on those two things but that's kind of up to you to make a pledge that you feel comfortable with so yeah we're all about the the, the more people the better and, and progress not perfection
0: brilliant progress but not perfection that's amazing well um this is damien's book if you want to buy it there's a link in the film description below and um, that you can click on very easily um so all that remains to be said damien is what is next for you and how do we follow you <laughs>
1: um the next thank you for that the yeah the next big one for me will be yeah the the spine race again in 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 january you're um
0: such a sucker for punishment <laughs> you yes. love that route don't you you're <laughs> like you i bet you don't yeah. even need a gps watch or a map or anything now you're just like a homing pigeon like i am going to kirk home. i want to lick the wall
1: <laughs> well yes no yeah a bit of bit of wall wall bothering um <laughs> well that that is the thing this january uh so I've, I've completed it twice and then I've worked on it twice, one year with you. Um Yeah, we did metering, and... didn't
0: we? Oh, that was harder than the race. Oh, yes. no, hardly any sleep. <laughs> yes, of course. We win that game.
1: But yeah, it's just such a great British winter adventure. There's, there's not much on at that time of year and I just love the drama of it, the the excitement, even though I know the pen on way well. I mean it's dark most of the time anyway, so you don't see it. <laughs> but um, but I also, I was there this January and I had DNF'd with an injury. So that was really frustrating. And and I, I, yeah, so I feel I've got that frustration. I want to go back and give my best performance because my uh, my two earlier finishes were a long time ago when I probably wasn't the athlete I am now. So, um, yeah, just excited for a a big winter adventure.
0: Amazing. Well, we'll all follow you on the spine race. And then your Instagram is presumably... Damien Hall, is it? Do you know what your Instagram handle is so we can all follow you? I think it's
1: ultra underscore demo. Oh, ultra demo. Yes, it
0: is. Yes. Um, I'll put that in the uh, podcast show notes and all the all the notes. We've got you covered. We've got you covered. Um, uh, one last question. <laughs> when are you running for MP or President? Because it sounds like you've got a lot of good things to say and the current situation is not looking good. So I'm just asking everybody, <laughs> anyone who's got any good ideas, <laughs> when, are you do, when are you going to run for Parliament?
1: Do <laughs> you really think people would vote for, for me with my haircut? And my uh, I don't know. My, my weird feet? my tea obsession um
0: (laughs) i think the tea obsession um, is the best thing probably (laughs) they could all relate to that i'm sure yeah (laughs) i just kind of feel like we've got the wrong people in power haven't we really like we need more people like us running the show
1: i tell you someone i really admire who um yeah i don't know if people have heard of dale vince so he's he's the chairman of forest green rovers and he's the founder of ecotricity who who i believe were the third the world's first renewable energy cool. company and yeah he, he and that had been Nailsworth where I'm from um he he was recently talking about going into politics and then so I'd flown on social media I found him and he has a podcast a weekly podcast actually I found that really useful cool. for okay. understanding especially about energy yeah. um Dale Vince and he was talking about going into politics he seems to be less sure about that now simply the nature of parliamentary politics perhaps yeah. and, and what a mess it is um but, yeah, he's someone I admire as a leader. Mm-hmm. He's not really into the running world, but he is in sport. Yeah. Uh, and he's made huge change in the sporting world with football, which cool. is, you know, a big one. Yeah. Um, so look out for Dale Vince, people. Get behind him, I think. He's, he's cool. someone who could lead us to some extent.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, thanks for that tip-off. And if we follow you on Instagram, there'll be tons of other people that we can follow as well and support. I think even just, like, giving your support as an Instagram follower is, is good, isn't it? It's, like, better than doing nothing. Um, yeah. Yeah cool okay well I just want to say a big thank you Damien for coming onto the show and sharing everything about your book um it really is a fantastic read so I really do recommend it um and uh, yeah I just would say to everybody just give it a read and then just if you even if you just change one thing um about your life to live a bit more sustainably then then that would be great What well, what would your one thing be Damien if you could just say to everyone just to do one thing from the book
1: Ooh, well as a runner it probably it depends a bit on what races you like doing but it probably is the race travel mm-hmm. um so i'm not saying you should never fly i'm not being you know hopefully i don't sound that preachy i'm not saying you sh- no should no one should fly again but but i suppose it's like really if you do fly really value valuing that flight um and also i suppose just thinking do, do you need to do you know three races abroad this year I, I mean a lot of people can't afford to anyway but but yeah just thinking more carefully about your travel is probably the biggest one. But after that, I'd say, speak up. Let, let, let's talk about this stuff to your friends and family. Talk about it on social media. I actually think that will have more impact. There's this a concept of the carbon shadow, actually. Having your, your sphere of influence is probably more important than your footprint. Uh, but, but most of us, naturally, if you care, you start to make footprint improvements kind of anyway. But maybe we, we maybe shouldn't obsess over ourselves as individuals too much and, and make too many sacrifices because, you know, it's elsewhere where the problem is. But. Hopefully we can push for change. Push
0: for yeah, change. That was quite
1: a long response to, to, to quite a simple question. <laughs> so that was
0: great. I really feel like we have delivered on our five easy ways to be a greener, more sustainable runner as per the title. Um, so hopefully people can pick out those five things from this massive long chat that we've had <laughs> and come away feeling light of heart and green of nature. <laughs>
1: Yes. And, and yeah, on that optimistic note, I mean, what I came around to towards the end of the book, not giving away the ending, was, you know, running is great. And let's not forget that because I was getting quite gloomy about my running, but running so brilliant, like it saves lives, you know, uh, and it gives us these wonderful moments, whether it's in a race or not, or, or, or whether it's with a friend or not. Like running gives so much happiness to so many people. So it's hard. Yeah. Let's not forget that. And, and it is leading the way in some ways. Um, so, yeah, there's lots to celebrate about running as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for all the great work that you do, Damien. Um, we've had loads of comments on the live um, that are just like, yay, Damien's ace. Like Rich says, cheers, Damo. Oh. Um, uh, there was a comment about your farting as well from Tom Bollin. Um, uh, excess endogenous <laughs> gas. How has he controlled this and how does it figure in his net zero calculations? <laughs> and then he's added... Tom <laughs>
1: uh is 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 a uh oh, a school friend slash troll uh hi tom yeah thanks for watching he
0: said awesome very proud of his achievements as well <laughs> um and james king says have you ever run with a oh, failed pop one. star no. yeah. what Did he say Sorry. have you ever run with a failed pop star <laughs> I'm presuming james king is the failed pop star
1: <laughs> no um well i don't know whether to get into all of this i mean yeah <laughs> boff wally who you will know of probably yeah the, the fell runner former chumbawamba um musician and and uh, author yeah author and fell runner um he features in the book uh james has a bit of envy that james is not in the book james also is a, is a long-term friend and troll um
0: <laughs> friend slash troll i love that <laughs> former friend oh well well thank you to James and Tom for hassling Damo on this (laughs) and um and I'll end with a nice one from David Pollard who's one of my patrons and he says uh Damo I loved your book in it for the long run so I'm guessing that he's about his hand is hovering over that click button in the film description to buy the next book um the next riveting read from our one and only Damien Hall Thank you very much, Damien. It's been a wonderful to chat to you, and uh, I bid you good day.
1: <laughs> thank you all. Thank you all very much indeed, and thank you, Claire.
0: <laughs> cool. Bye, everyone.